John the Viking Mauser here with the Get Stronger Die podcast. Today my guest is Darius Campbell. How are you doing today? I'm doing well in yourself. Uh, pretty good. Uh, excited to have you on here. Um, you're actually only the second um, sumo wrestling guest that I've had on the show. I'm hoping to change that and get um, a bunch more on here. So uh, I'm really excited. Um, for our listeners, this is your first time on. So, of course, we always do uh, like a background. So can you tell us um, a little bit about yourself and how you got into sumo wrestling? Um, my name is Darius Campbell. Um 5'9", about 4'20". I got into sumo. Um, I've always been a, a fan of, of Japanese culture. And um, in about 2014, I was watching a um, an anime called Rowdy Sumo Wrestler Matsutoro. And it's basically just this, this little stupid anime about a... Um, a basically like just a, a, a muscle head who gets into sumo. Um, but they were using all these different terms and stuff that I didn't know at the time, like Yokozuna and Ozeki and stuff like that. So it just made me, to watch the show, I just would end up um, doing a little bit of research on sumo. And then I just started watching the real thing on um, Jason's All Sumo channel. And it just sparked my interest from there. I mean, I, I fell in love with it pretty pretty immediately. Um very cool. So, uh, you said Jason's all sumo uh, thing. What what is that? It's um. So this guy, his name is Jason. He um, he's from I believe San Diego, but he's a um, English teacher in Japan. But you know he's a bigger guy, and he started watching sumo and saw that there wasn't a lot of um, content for sumo. Um, for Western viewers or people just outside of Japan in general. So he, like, basically sets up and he literally just records his TV um, of sumo matches and and he puts them on YouTube. And he's been doing this probably since 2010-ish, I would suppose, you know. So when I started watching on YouTube, that's pretty much one of the only guys who was doing that, you know, so... That was pretty much one of the only glimpses into the world of sumo that you could get here in the States at the time. Now, that's gotten a lot better, though, right? Because uh, I remember I watched, um, we did like a uh, like an online viewing, basically, um, of Worlds, and um, and that was on a YouTube channel and stuff. So there's some other uh, avenues. Do you ha- Are there any that you recommend that are pretty good to start getting into it? Yeah, there's, um, there's of course, Jason, there's... Um, Kintamayama there's um, Nato Sumo um, those are the those are the main ones that I I usually like um, because they have a nice bit of content in English that you can watch and um, they do a pretty full coverage of the top division at least um, very cool so can you tell us about um, like so if they're going to if you're going to watch sumo um, on YouTube or online or whatever, um, you know, and it's your first time, the the tournaments might be a little tricky to follow. Can you kind of tell us how um, like the pro Japanese um, 
tournaments, like kind of how they're run and, and like what you're looking at? Yeah, so um, in professional sumo, there's six tournaments a year bi-monthly, um, and they're every odd-numbered month. So Jan- starting in January and then on forward, um, they last 15 days. The top two divisions, they'll have each wrestler will have one match every day for a total of 15 days, and the champion is decided by whoever has the um, highest win total after those 15 days or those 15 bouts, basically. Um, if you start looking at the lower divisions, they only wrestle on seven days. So half of the time they won't be watching, I mean, or, or wrestling. Um, so those are, those are kind of the, the key-ish points. Nope. Um, the later into the day you go, the higher the rank the wrestlers will be. So the last matches of the day is usually the Yokozuna or the grand champion in English. Um, yeah. Uh, what happens um, in the case of a tie over the 15 days? Like, let's say two guys have um, pretty, you know, the same amount of wins or something. Yeah, so um, if, if the um, top guys have the exact same number of wins, they will go into a, a playoff on the final day. So once the the matches for that division are concluded, they'll have a, a playoff, a tiebreak round. Um, if there's more than two guys with the same number, they'll basically draw straws for um, match order, and whoever gets the set number of matches would win. So I think, um, like for a three-way, the first person to beat the other two guys will, um, will win the championship. So there's never a, a tie for the championship yeah. in sumo. Very cool. Now you had mentioned um, Yokozuna, and there's different. Um, that's a rank. That's like a title that you earn. Uh, can you tell us about the the titles and the ranks, and maybe kind of what they mean? Yeah. So in, in sumo, there are are ten ranks. Um, so the first six are basically well, the first five, I should say, are are named after the division they're in. So the lowest division in sumo is called Janakuchi, um, and then it goes to Johnny Don, then Sandame, then Makushita, and then Jurio is when you're considered a secretary or a salaried or true professional wrestler, um, and that's when you really start getting on TV and getting notoriety in the Japanese media. Um, once you make it to the Makano Uchi division, which is the very top division in sumo, um, you start getting known as a Maigashiro ranked wrestler, um, and those are numbered just by order. So the lowest ranked guy is usually going to be around the Maigashiro 16, and you go all the way up to Maigashiro 1. Um, the Banzuke ranking chart is divided into an east and west system. So there's basically two people at least two people in each spot except for the um, Yokozuna which is a um, which there doesn't necessarily have to be a Yokozuna um, above Maigashira are the Sanyaku ranks um, which consists of Komosubi um, then above Komosubi is Sekiwake above Sekiwake is um, Ozeki which is basically a champion so um, for a long time the the rank of um, Yokozuna wasn't a thing, 
Um, so the highest ranked guy on the Bonzo K was um, an Ozeki. Um, but around the basically a, um, a family started giving out licenses to do a special ring entrance ceremony and that became the Yokozuna um, position. Um, I think it started to officially be listed on the Bonzuke in about the 1800s, the early 1800s. Um, and so far in history, since it's been started being recorded around the 1700s, there's been 72 Yokozuna to date. Um, and of course, that's the highest rank uh, an individual can go. Very cool. Um, <clears throat> so there's actually a lot of ranks because uh, the one rank you said there's like 16, um, basically 16 levels, and more than one person can be in each one of those levels. Um, and then you kind of come up to the next level, and that's kind of, uh, I, I guess, the top tier. And um, at the top of that's the Yokozuna. Is that right? Yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. So that's pretty cool. And um, how many uh, professional sumos do you think there are at any given time in Japan? Like, how many people are participating in the sport, do you think? Um, so in professional sumo at any given time, you're looking at about 700 guys. Um, but you're not truly considered a, a true professional until you're a secatori, which means you're in the jurio or Maiga, I mean, or the um, Makanouchi division, and that includes about 70 guys. So if you're not one of the top 70 guys, you're not really even getting a paycheck, but you're still, you know, in the pro system. Now, do they have um, amateur in Japan? Yes, there's um, there's amateur sumo in Japan. Um, you know, in, in Japan, it's a, it's a regular sport, just like you'd see... Um, freestyle wrestling or greco-roman here you know um so you have people as young as you know grade school age on up they have it in school um and you'll wrestle um so they end up crowning a um uh, elementary school yokozuna is what they call them basically the champion oh, for yeah. each grade division well, that's pretty cool. and then they do the same thing for middle and high school and then collegiate as well um and even for individuals who are in the professional world who are out of school, they even have um, a professional, um, like a, a working man's league. So if you're out of school, you can still compete on an amateur level in Japan. Oh, that's cool. Yeah, that's pretty awesome. Um, very cool. So how long has um, sumo been around? You had mentioned that uh, they, the Yokozuna was introduced in the 1800s, so that implies it's been around a while. Yeah, so um, sumo has been a, a sport for at least 1,500 years, if not more. Um, the first documented match um, was way, way back. Um, I'd have to I'd have to look it up to know the exact time period, but it, it was it was well over a thousand years ago, um, and just a match of pure strength um, initially. Then it sort of kind of culminated into Shinto religion, um, which is for a long time until the um, introduction of Christianity was pretty much the main religion in Japan. And um, sumo played a, a, a large role in that. It was um, shown in many festivals and the like, and it was... And, um, 
you know, the Gyoji or the referees who are oftentimes Shinto priests. Um, so, I mean, it has a very long history in Japan, and it's not Japan's national sport for um, no reason. It's been around for just um, literally millennia. Yeah. So it's, it's, a, it's incredible, the history behind it. Mm. Yeah, it's very cool. Now, one of the things that, um, you know, there's people, I think, uh, here in the States, they kind of, some people don't know what to think of it, especially, I think, the the uniform gets a lot of attention. Um, can you tell us about the Mawashi or the belt that they wear? Um, tell us about that and kind of, um, like, like, what that is and why that is. Yeah, so... Um the Mawashi is basically a, a canvas cloth. It's, it's about, on average, it's roughly six meters long, but I mean, that also, that always depends on your girth or what have you. Um, the, I mean, originally it was just meant to keep you as bare and modest as possible um, to show your opponent that you, I don't, I'm not hiding any weapons, I don't have to hide anything from you. This is just me on my own strength. Um, fighting you and um if you're a fan of, of wrestling um i'm sure you know like um and greco-roman wrestling you know back in those times they would even wrestle naked just to prove that point so it's kind of just that coming into the modern era sumo is is not just a sport it's also you know a a culmination of japanese culture and it's really one of the few ways that it survives into the modern era so they keep a lot of those traditions from a long time ago and um keep it into the modern day to keep people in line with their roots you know um which i think is an incredible thing yeah that's super cool um yeah i think it's one of the more fascinating sports to be involved with if you can look into the history of it um so here in the states with amateur sumo you've been on the scene for a while um uh, tell us about that. Tell us about amateur sumo. Um, how did how did you find your first first uh, match and 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 all that? Yeah. So, um, like I said, I, I probably um, I got into it about 2014 is when I first discovered sumo, and I found out that they let people as young as 15 start joining um, for pro sumo, pro sumo sales. Um, so I, I was at about 14 at the time. So I actually got in contact with a guy named John Gunning. He's one of the um, English language NHK announcers. So he's one of the, the color commentators for Sumo um, for the English side of things. So I got in contact with him to see if he could get me into um, uh, a stable, which is basically where all these guys train. Um, and so he said... It'd be best to get some amateur experience, of course. So he um, sent me the way of Andrew Freund, who um, who runs the U.S. Open out in California, in L.A. And um, so I got in contact with him probably not too long after, probably when I was about 15 years old. Um, but just due to financial things, you know, I couldn't afford to make the trip out to L.A., um, being from Cincinnati, you know, without a job or anything. So once I finally started making some money at work, I ended up um, booking a flight out there. And my first tournament was the um, 
2018 U.S. Sumo Open, um, which little did I know it was going to be sort of like diving into the deep end, so to speak, um, <laughs> being that it's one of the more competitive events um, in the amateur sumo scene. You're listening to Get Strong or Die. We'll be back right after this. This episode is brought to you by Mauser Strength Dynamics one-on-one online coaching. So if you are looking for a satisfaction guarantee and you want to win competitions or maybe you're constantly suffering from injuries and you don't know where to turn, or maybe you're just looking for some one-on-one support from a world-class strength coach, then Mauser Strength Dynamics is the coaching for you. So if you want more information, then find John at John the Viking Mauser on Facebook or at Mauser Strength on Instagram. Correct me if I'm wrong, but people from other countries come to that as well. Oh, yeah. Um, I think it is probably one of the most attended and well-represented events of amateur sumo. Um, Andrew, he does, a, he does a great job putting that on. And, you know, we we usually sell out a, a basketball arena, um, the Cal State Long Beach um, basketball arena called the Walters Pyramid. We sell that out, and that's about 3,000 seats. You know, so I mean, it's it's a he has professional um, photographers and different things. The first year I went, he even had some guys from um, Japan, some of the commentators from Japan. He had them over. Oh, um, cool. They were watching it. So I mean, it was a it's a big deal. Um, but little did I know at the time, it was it was as big of a deal as it was. <laughs> That's cool. So you said that there was there was like three thousand uh, spectators watching this event. Yeah, yeah, so um, the U.S. Open, I think, is is great because literally all these people who come in, they're coming just to watch watch sumo. I mean, they sell tickets, and for that whole day, I mean, you just get people who are super excited about watching it. Um, you know, I, I think sumo is a great sport to watch as well, yeah. you know, because it's, it's very, very quick and action-packed, you know. Most matches are, are counted in seconds. You know, the longest ones are only a couple minutes long, you know, so it's very quick and to the point. And um, so I think it's easy. And the rules um, for a spectator, at least, are very easy to follow. You know, I either push you out of the ring or I push you to the ground, you know. Um, there's more to that as a as a um, athlete, of course, but from a spectator's perspective, it's a it's a pretty easy thing to follow, at least. Oh yeah, I I agree a hundred percent. I think um, well, you and I both were at the uh, the the Salt Lake City FitCon at the um, at that event, and uh, you know when the sumo started, there was all these people that would walk by and they would watch, and um, there was all these other events going on there as well. And um, people would stop and watch, but they couldn't figure out what was going on. But that wasn't the case with the sumo. They, they came and they stuck around, and you could tell that they knew what was happening. And um, I, I think that's um, really cool because there's a lot of complicated sports out there these days. And um, if you can get something that, that people can pick up on immediately, I think you have a really good, um, a good thing going there for the, for the spectators and growing the sport and stuff. Yeah, I mean... Um, growing up here in the States, of course, um, American football, for instance, you know, I mean, it, it's, it's really fun to watch. I like it. Um, but there's a lot of rules. And, you know, if you're if you're just stumbling upon it, it can be hard to follow. Um, but in sumo, you know, 
you, you don't have to watch it for very long to start getting the grasp of it, you know, and, and be able to still very much enjoy it. So um, I think it's a great spectator sport. Yeah, for sure. Um, now, you were talking earlier about um, the first sumo match and uh, how it was kind of just like a who was stronger sort of thing, and it's grown from there. Um, there are actually um, like techniques and throws and pushes and things that are named and numbered and all that, uh, much like in judo or, or another type of martial art. Um, can you expand on that a little bit and just tell us about like the, the techniques and moves that are kind of listed? Yeah, so um, they're, they're called kimarate, kimarate um, or winning techniques. Um, there are, I believe, over 80 of them. Um, and like like you said, they're kind of like judo, but um, a lot of people probably don't understand is that, you know, because sumo is, is so much older um, than those sports, a lot of those sports actually take from sumo instead of the other way around, you know. Um, so a lot of these movements, you know, um, translate into different traditional Japanese martial arts such as judo and aikido and these different things, you know. Um, but the most common ones are, are um, yuri kiri, um, which is just a force out. It's where you have the opponent's mawashi or belt and you force them out of the ring. Oshidashi's next, which is basically a push out. Um, there are several different throws, such as watenage, um, which is an overarm throw, statenage, underarm throw. I mean, so um, there's many ways to win a match, you know. Yeah, for sure. And I think that's that's interesting, um, what you said there. A lot of martial arts take stuff from sumo. And um, I, I don't think a lot of people are aware of that, that sumo has been around that long. Um, it's one of the oldest um, combative sports. Uh, and I think um, there's been some successful people from judo that have went into uh, to uh, the pro sumo ranks and uh, probably other martial arts. Um, can you give us any good examples of that? Yeah, so um, a lot of the Europeans um, who have had success come from a, a judo background, such as Tochinoshin. He was a um, he was on the Georgian um, junior judo team. Um, Gagamaru, Aoyama, you know these these guys came from you know judo based background, and even a lot of um, in Japan. Um, a lot of them, because judo, I mean, in, in Japanese curriculum in school, um, all, all schools have to show children a martial art. And so pretty much every school chooses judo. So almost every child in Japan is, is taught judo at least at one point in their life. You know, so a lot of the pro wrestlers, you know, they come from a judo background. And because unlike a, um, a football or basketball, you know, you don't have to necessarily even have um, a background in sumo to um, join a, a pro sumo stable, if you're Japanese at least. Um, they'll teach you everything from the ground up. So a lot of people come from a wide variety of backgrounds, at least in the pro sport. Yeah, so tell us about, uh, in, in Japan, they have these, like, uh, I think they're called houses, and, um, like, the stables where uh, groups of sumo wrestlers train and stuff. Can you tell us about 
um, like what's a typical house like? What is the how does your rank affect your status in the house and those sorts of things? Yeah. So and and so I mean, kind of the best way to describe it is like a a, a team, so to speak. Um, but I mean, you're really they're called heya in Japan, which basically translates to room. But because of like um, boxing, how they how it's a common term in boxing to call a group of boxers a stable. In English, we started calling them sumo stables. Um, but you know, all these guys they live in the same the same house. They they eat together. They sleep together. They train together. I mean, their whole life revolves around around sumo and your rank basically determines everything your your social status in that house you know um the higher ranked you are the sooner you get to eat the sooner you get to bathe the later you have to get up in the day you know the more freedom you have to go around you know so it kind of is a almost um militant type of of situation you know there's and until you are a secretary or a true professional, you know, you're pretty much, you know, limited to this, to this, um, to this stable, to this house, you know, under a, um, a former wrestler of high rank, you know, who is your coach. And in these structures, they're, they're literally a house, but they're also more than a house, right? I mean, they like actually train within that, within that building and, um, there's more going on than just a house, right? Oh yeah, um, I mean they're they're all specially built. So usually on the um, ground floor, you have you know the entrance. You have a, a dojo, um, which is the sumo ring. It's basically just made of, of clay, and um, there's tawada or the um, the structure that makes up the dojo. Um, they're made of straw bales. So um, you know they they redo those every two months before the start of every new tournament um and then there's like a fully stocked kitchen like a, a professional um class kitchen because you I mean you're feeding these huge huge guys um you know you're feeding them a lot um and then on the second level you usually have your it's almost a communal style living so um you'll have these big rooms and basically um just all the wrestlers that sleep in these rooms um, together, like on the floor. If you're a secretary, you get your own personal room. And then on the third level, you'll usually have where the um, Oyakata or the coach, he'll, that's where he'll live. Um, it'll be kind of a separate space, and he'll have his, his wife and kids, and they'll all live on the top floor. So, I mean, it really is everyone under the same roof, training, eating, sleeping, you know, doing everything together. Um, your whole life is basically sumo, you know. How do you become a um, like a sumo coach over there? So um, to become a sumo coach, you have to have what's called a uh, toshiyuri, which is a um, elder stock. And there's a hundred and five of these. Most of them are named after um, former rikishi um, or wrestlers from. Um, more the beginning era of when pro sumo, um, the Tokyo Sumo Association, which is what the um, the current pro um, association is based off of. So to to get one of those stocks, um, you used to have to buy them 
um, purchase them, which could be upwards of a couple hundred million yen, you know, which would be a couple million dollars in, um, in U.S. terms, in USD. But they went, they became a um, more of a public entity, um, I believe a few years back, you know, so they're actually under government control now. Um, so now they're pretty much just handed down through generation to generation. And to be eligible for one of those stocks, you have to um, you have to have been a secretary for a set amount of, of tournaments. Um, so I think if you made it to Jurio, you would have had to be in Jurio for 30 um, basho or tournaments, um, which equates, you know, to to roughly five years in that rank. And the higher the rank goes, the shorter that amount of time you would have needed to be in that rank shortens down. So once you become a Makanouchi wrestler, you know, it's short. And, and by the time you get to um, Ozeki or, or Yokozuna, you know, um, you can even wait a little bit before buying your elder stock. So, I mean, it's a, it's pretty, it's a pretty interesting system. And it kind of limits how many people can be a coach in the professional world. I mean, of course, with 105 elder stocks, only 105 individuals um, can be coaches um, for the Sumo Association. Very cool. And um, so there, there's potentially 105 coaches at any given time and, and just over 700 um, sumo athletes in the pro ranks at any given time. Yeah. Okay. Very cool. And uh, now you talked about uh, in the house and the professional uh, or the co- the commercial grade kitchens in the houses. Um, so predominantly, they're eating a very special uh, um, stew that they make. Can you tell us about that? Yeah. So um, they eat people outside of the sumo world. We call it chenko nabe. Um, nabe is basically a hot pot and a stew. Um, but in the sumo world, anything that's made by a sumo wrestler is considered chanko. But the staple is this stew that we all know as chanko nabe. And it's this hearty stew of a of different meats and vegetables. Um, you know, I mean, mushrooms and, and different things of that nature um, and different styles of, of broth. And that's going to be your, your staple um, meal as a sumo wrestler is you're going to have these bowls of chenko, chenko nabe, and you'll have bowls of rice along with that, you know. So, I mean, overall, it, it's, it's, a, it's actually a very healthy esque diet. Um, so they, they really go for, you know, these guys are really getting big just off the quantity um, of, of the food they consume. You know, I think a lot of people probably think, you know, they're getting big off of just junk, but, you know, they they really are eating just large quantities of, of, of meat and vegetables for the most part, and that's how they're, that's how they're getting big. Yeah, I think um, that, that probably is a, a, a misconception to, to normal people that they probably think that these guys are eating McDonald's or something, but... Um, yeah, I don't think that's the case because they're athletes and they have a very rigorous training schedule, which we'll talk about here in a few. But um, they're really eating to fuel that and, um, and, and you know, not get injured and heal from injuries and do all that. So they're eating the right stuff. They're just eating 
uh, excessive amounts of it to gain that body weight because at the end of the day, that is beneficial to the sport. You're listening to Get Strong or Die. We'll be back right after this. Introducing Get Strong AF one-on-one online coaching with Hannah the Destroyer. This coaching program is for the focused and dedicated woman who wants to get stronger and compete. You'll never be left in the dark from bi-weekly training calls to support via text and email. She has your back every step of the way. There's made-for-you training sessions, every exercise, every lift, every piece of equipment used has you and your goals in mind. And also, there's strong mindset training because we understand that strength and mindset go hand-in-hand. There will be weekly prompts, videos to up-level your mindset so when it comes to step on the competition floor, you are 100% ready. If you are interested in this, go ahead and email hannah at powerthroughmovement.net or look for more info at powerthroughmovement.net. Can you tell us about um, a typical training schedule for uh, for these guys? I think that a lot of people uh, don't really understand like how hard of a sport this is when you're in the pro ranks and you're in Japan. Can you tell us about the um, the training schedule? Sure. So, um, and, and and professional sumo, you know, like I said, they live in these houses, so they'll just basically. The um, lower the rank you are, the earlier in the morning you'll wake up. So, you know, if you have the, the lowest rank guys, you know, they'll probably be waking up about 4.35 o'clock in the morning. They'll get the dohyo ready, and then they'll start training. Um, and this this will last until, um, for them, it'll probably last till about 11 o'clock in the afternoon. And they'll, all, and they'll do this on an empty stomach. They don't eat until after they train for the day. So they'll do some pretty intense training, starting out with um, the Shiko. They'll probably do a couple hundred of those um, a day, which is basically a squat with alternating leg lifts in between. Um, They'll run several different um, full contact um, matches. You know, there's no, um, you know, we're just going to go half, half pace today, you know, um, you have to go hard in every match. And so, you know, they're training upwards of, of five hours a day, you know, on an empty stomach, you know, going really hard at it. Um, after that, they'll clean up, get themselves cleaned up. Um, they'll eat their first meal of the day, and they'll take a nap right after um, to kind of um, pack the weight on. They'll wake up. Um, have their free time, and then they'll have their second their second meal of the day, um, and then they'll go to sleep after that and get ready for the next day of training. Um, and this is a six to seven day a week schedule for these guys. You know, um, they don't really get any off days. And sumo, there's no off season. You know, with a tournament every other month. You know, you're you're doing this year round. Um, 365 days a year, you know, so it's a very rigorous schedule for them. Yeah, I think, um, so you talked earlier about the tournaments, um, they're called Bashos, I believe, and um, mm-hmm. they're 15 days long, and you said that they have one match um, every day uh, in, in general, and I think I've, I've mentioned this to people before, and I think... Uh, a lot of people seem unimpressed with that, but I think that that's that's pretty brutal. Can you um, can you kind of tell us about that and kind of like like some of the the injuries and just the amount of stress these guys um are are going through when they do that? Because this isn't 
pro and amateur is two different things. And these guys, these guys are huge and they're really good at what they do. And um, a match is pretty strenuous. Can you tell us about that? Yeah, I mean, um, uh, sumo bout is is is, is a um, it's an environment. I think they did a um, study at Tokyo University where they um, put G-force monitors on some wrestlers and um, measured their tachii, which is the initial um, contact made by the two wrestlers, and. Um, I think they measured it at something of 12 G's is what they got to um, approximately when they when they collided, you know. So I mean that's that's a lot of a lot of force, you know. I think they equated it to a, a car accident at 30 35 miles an hour, you know. And they're doing this once a day every day, and of course it's not really just once a day because they still train. Um, every morning before they do their matches um you know so they don't they don't take off training just because they're in a tournament they're still doing their morning training it might be a little lighter um but they're still doing the training as well so i mean it's not really just one bout a day um but that one bout a day um on the official record is is very very intense you know you you get people who knock heads at the initial tachi eye um i mean you it, it's for an american i think the best way to equate it is you know um you have two of the best offensive linemen you know just just going against each other full full tilt you know um because it it, it is it's very comparable to that you know and, and with no gear yeah no gear um you know, I, I think they just recently started allowing um, mouth guard. Um, they might tape up, you know, their ankles or their wrists. Um, outside of that, there's no protective gear at all. It's just the Milwaukee, so you're just you're just smashing into another guy. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> Very cool. Uh, yeah, I think that's a good analogy, um, you know, because these guys are pro athletes, just like NFL guys, and, um, you know, they're hitting, they're hitting the same except, uh, you know, it's full tilt from both ends and they're wanting to hit each other pretty hard. Uh, yeah. Yeah. I think that's a, that's a great, um, analogy. And, um, so tell us about, uh, injuries in sumo and, and what happens when somebody's injured. Yeah. So, um, injuries, probably the most common ones are, um, are knee injuries, of course, you know, just because, these guys are pretty heavy, and um, they're hitting each other pretty hard. Um, you do get some elbow, shoulder, and um, wrist, finger injuries are pretty common as well. Um, you know, the, the big thing about, about injury is that pretty much everyone wrestling is, is never, you know, truly 100%. Because in sumo, you know, if you, if you um, take off when you're injured, um, there's no, like, you're guaranteed a spot. You know, you have to, if you take off, you know, they count all those matches you you uh, miss as just losses, um, and that will affect your rank greatly. You know, so that's affecting your livelihood. So a lot of guys will fight with injuries. You know, um, I've, I've seen even um, Mataki Umi a couple of ago, you know, he kept fighting even though he had, like, a... Um, I think he had a snapped meniscus in his knee, you know, so, I mean, 
these guys they're they'll they'll even go out there with some some pretty nasty and serious injuries um just because if they don't you know they'll slide down their livelihood will be at stake you know so it is a uh high stakes environment for them you know yeah for sure <clears throat> yeah when it affects your um you know but then and that's that's kind of the the cost of being a pro i think right like you're um if you're getting paid and all that, um, you know, you're probably going to have to, you're going to have to grind through a few injuries. Um, whereas, you know, in the amateur circuit, um, like here in the States, especially, I, I think sumo is very safe here. I think the, the amateur, um, way is safe. If you, if you're injured, you can sit out and there's no repercussions and, you know, you, you can, if, if you're injured, you don't have to train and this and that. I think it's a lot safer, um, in the amateur ranks, of course, but you're not getting paid, and there's not the the same amount of prestige. So um, there, there's a, definitely a trade off there. Um, yeah, for sure. I I know um, I know a couple guys like um, John Gunning. He um, he shattered his forearm bones um, at one point, and um, he was still expected to go full tilt at practice. He just didn't do like um, the practice bouts, but I mean. All the um, pre-workouts that they do leading up to the matches, he was still expected to do all of that. You know, so I mean, there really is no time off. Yeah. Um, as a sumo wrestler, no off season to kind of recuperate or anything. I mean, it's a it's a battle of endurance, and you can't just rest on your laurels because basically at each of these tournaments you're being reevaluated every tournament to where you should be in the rankings um so i mean it's just it's just just tough if you're if you're an injured guy you know yeah for sure so um i think another thing that people don't realize too is the weights of these guys um because you see uh you know, I think they kind of glamorize some of the really, really huge, huge sumo guys. Um, and I think a lot of people think that su- all sumo wrestlers are 600 pounds. But, um, you know, that's not the case. Can you talk about, like, the average weight and size of a professional um, sumo wrestler? Yeah, so um, in the top division where it's most competitive, um, the average weight, I believe, is around, around 330, 340-ish pounds. Um, the big, the big reason why a lot of sumo wrestlers get big is because sumo is one of the very few, um, combat sports where there isn't weight classes. So if you're a hundred pounds, you know, it doesn't matter. You're still going to go up against those, those three and 400 pound guys, you know, so it's very advantageous for you to get big. Um, and that's why a lot of the guys who are very successful are, are big because there aren't weight classes in professional sumo. Um, but a lot of the guys, when they enter, they will be very small. I mean, especially can you because you can have guys coming in at 15 years old. Um, Hakubo, for instance, you know, um, who's a, the, probably a lot of people would say is the best sumo wrestler in history. Um, when he started out at 15, I think he only weighed um, 80 kilos. Um, which is which is probably about a hundred and ninety pounds, you know. And now he's he's stable at about three thirty, you know. So I mean, they they get big for a reason um, because there isn't weight classes. You know, you can't just stick in a weight class. Um, 
So, I mean, yeah. And the matches are typically pretty quick, too. So it's not like it's not like you're packing on, you know, all that weight and then and then you're going to be wrestling for 10 straight minutes. Um, the matches are, are typically pretty fast. Yeah, so, I mean, it, it's a... You know, it's really a, a, a bout is really based off explosiveness and getting that momentum in your favor. Um, you know, it's not a battle of endurance. So you'll get guys who, I mean, I, I compared them to offensive linemen earlier, but a lot of the guys are at or heavier than that when they're at the competitive ranks. Um, and that's because, you know, they're not going a whole football game, right? They're, they're doing... You know, these bouts, which are um, at most five minutes, it's a very rare and a very long match for a sumo bout, you know, so. Yeah, there's, a, there's no it's time. It's not a battle of endurance. It's just a battle of strength, you know, and um, skill. And, and there's no time limit, right? No, there's no, there's no time limit. It's just um, however long it takes. And so there's a, there's a system in place where um, one of the judges, the ringside judges, um, will have a timer. And so if if they reach a cer- certain time, which I believe is around four or five minutes, they'll get a water break. Um, and then they'll be put back in the exact same position they were in before. Um, and they'll, they can go up to another four minutes um, where they'll get another water break. And if they still can't resolve the match by then, They'll usually get rescheduled for later in the day. Um, but, yeah, so there's no time limits. That's a very rare occurrence. I think the last time that happened was in the um, was in the 80s was the last time they had to reschedule a match. But there's no time limit. Um, so however long it takes you is however long it takes, you know. And I, I would say most matches are done in under under a minute or even under 45 seconds or less. Yeah, I, I'd probably say, you know, um, if you see a bout go more than 30, 40 seconds, that's, that's a pretty um, nice, nice um, length bout, you know. Um, yeah, it's, it's over very quickly, but there's a lot done in that time span, for sure. Yeah, for sure. Just, just from my experience with sumo, um, it, it's one of the fastest sports, if not the fastest sport that I've ever done. There's so much going on at once, and there's so much urgency um, to get to get finished. Um, I think it's it's a blinding speed when you're in there, and um, I think that's probably underappreciated until you actually get in the doyo and go against another person. It it, it probably looks manageable from the outside, but it's definitely not, not the case when you're on the inside. <laughs> Yes, it's, it's definitely that way. You know, I experienced that um, in my very first match. You know, so it's it's a uh, um, I got a I got a new guy in my club. His name is Jake Book, and he, um, you know, I was I was telling him like, you know, when you get in the ring with these guys, especially uh, because he's a lightweight, you know, it's, it's going to be really fast paced. And when he finally got into a competition, he was like. Man, they, you weren't lying, and I'm like, yeah, they they're going full tilt at you really fast. So it is a very fast paced sport, you know, um, in that time span. Now, now you mentioned Jake is a lightweight. So in amateur here, um, there are there are weight classes. Um, 
do you mind uh, elaborating on those weight classes? Yeah, so um, in in um, an amateur sumo here in the U.S., but um, all over the world, um, in the IFS or the International Sumo Federation, there are weight classes. Um, at at the present time, there's four. There's lightweight, uh, middleweight, light heavy, and heavyweight. And then, of course, there's the open weight division, which is where everybody faces everybody in a more traditional um, pro sumo style. Um, so, in amateur sumo, you can you have those weight classes, so you you can you don't have to be uh, a terribly large guy. I mean, I know Jake; he's he's probably only one seventy, if that. You know, he's a he's a very small guy. You know, but you can still be competitive on the amateur level, um, especially with the weight classes. Um, I believe for lightweight, the upper limit is one eighty seven. And then for middleweight, the upper limit is 221. For um, light heavy, it's 254, I believe. And then heavyweight is anything above that, of course. And then open weight is everybody against everybody. So um, at least in the amateur scene, there are some weight classes, you know, if you don't want to have to completely bulk up, you know. And there are, there are um, women's divisions as well. Right, right. I, 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 I can't tell you off the top of my head the, um, the weights for the women's division, but um, it's, it's broken up in the same way, light, middle, light, heavy, and then heavyweight, and then, of course, the open weight. Um, so the, um, the gender roles, they won't cross, but you can, you can have bouts against the weight classes um, within your gender. But, yeah, there's, there's some absolutely um, fantastic um, female wrestlers um, a really notable one, you know, um, is, is Mariah Holmes. I mean, she's just, she's just a beast. Um, I've seen her, you know, be competitive against even some men in training bouts. So, I mean, it, it's a, you know, so these, some of the women can be just as, if not, um, fiercer than a lot of the men. And, uh, Mariah is a, um, she's an American, right? You're talking, that's, that's over here. Yeah, she's she's an American. She's based out of the um, L.A. Um, based um, sumo club, um, which is probably the, the most notable one here in the U.S. Um, but yeah, she's she's just a, a great wrestler, um, and I think she she represents the U.S. very well. Very cool. Now you you have your own club up in Cincinnati, Ohio. Um, can you tell us about that club? And if anybody's interested in um, sumo and in in, in in around Cincinnati, how they can get a hold of you and um, and join your club or get involved? Yeah, so uh, my club is the Ohio Sumo Association. Um, so Ohio, it's actually the Japanese spelling of Ohio, which is which is a common greeting in Japanese. Um, it means good morning, basically. So it's it's a um, it's kind of a play on words, you know, with Ohio, the state, and you know, Ohio being open greeting to everyone. But yeah, um, anyone's anyone's welcome to join. You know, I'm more than happy to teach anyone about it. Um, we're looking, we're definitely looking for more members. Um, if you want to get in contact with me, you can we can reach out to my Facebook and um, 
Darius Campbell, you know, on Facebook and on Instagram. I'm, I'm Bart Kuma 98 um, You can also get in contact with our association page on um, on um, Facebook and on Instagram. And we even have a website as well, um, Ohio Sumo weebly.com so um, there's a few ways to get in contact with us um, and of course if you know John you can just reach out to him and he'll point you my way as well yeah if you're interested um, in sumo um, contact uh, me if nothing else um, and I can send you to Darius and then of course we have the Appalachian Sumo Club here in um, Morgantown in Pittsburgh uh, as well um, and, and there's more clubs springing up every year. So uh, if you're interested in sumo, there's there's definitely is growing and there's more possibilities springing up. Um, yeah, for sure. Um, some of the main places to note is pretty much all the major cities in Texas, um, the New Jersey, New York area, Florida, um, Georgia, and then California. Those are the those are the main hotbeds. Um, for them and there's a couple more sprinkled throughout and like you said um, we're getting more and more every year I mean um, even since I've been in the association I mean we've, we've gained a lot of members and you know a lot of new people are joining so it's an exciting time especially now that we're a, um, an officially Olympic recognized sport um, so there's a possibility that um, we can get voted into the Olympic Games and be a sport, you know, to medal in. Very cool. Yeah, I think that um, a lot of people don't know that as well. Um, so that that happened, um, what two years ago? That um, they that they were extended that invitation for. Uh, yeah, I believe it was, it was probably about that time. Yeah. Yeah. yeah so, and it, it's kind of like in a probationary period um, right now, but it could very well earn a spot in the Olympics. And I think, isn't there going to be some exhibition uh, sumo going on in, in the upcoming Olympics? Yeah, there should be um, exhibition matches. You know, so basically you would get a Olympic medal, but you would be at the Olympic Games and you would be competing in front of the crowd and what have you. Um, so that would that'd be a very exciting experience. Um, and right now we're part of the we have an event in the World Games, which is basically for all of the major sports um, that aren't in the Olympics yet. So we also compete there as well. You know, so um, if you're interested in competing, it's a it's a great sport to get into, and you know, there's a lot of opportunity for growth. And um, one last thing, uh, we're about we're out of time here, but I want to bring it up. Can you can you tell everybody about um, the Sin City uh, Sumo Camp? Um, what that's all about, and um, we, we actually just did that, so we'll be talking about next year's, but if people are interested in coming out to that and, and learning sumo, because um, that's kind of your, it's in it's in your town and it's kind of your thing, so um, yeah, just let us know uh, what's up with that. Yeah, so um, the Sin City Sumo Camp is held here in, in Cincinnati, um, it was basically supposed to be just a joint practice between me and um, Cornelius Booker, who is um, he's the lightweight national champion, and he's out of Florida. Um, and I was told by someone about you, John. Um, so we invited you out and basically made it a little camp last year. 
and then this year you brought some of your guys over. Um, so it's basically a sumo camp built to um, help beginners and, and just give them a solid foundation in the sport. And of course, if you're, um, I think it can also be a valuable um, training experience, even if you're more experienced. But mainly it's geared towards um, beginners and new new people in the sport, and that's held the um, the first weekend in December every year. So um, looking to make that an annual thing. And um, this year we also added a um, tournament. Um, this year was just open to um, the camp participants, but um, for the future we will have that open to um, all um, USSF um, registered members. So, um, yeah, I think it's a, it's a great opportunity, and we'd love to have you guys out um, just to give it a shot, you know. Yeah, and uh, my club uh, plans to be there again um, next year, so it's a really good time. And there's not too many, uh, there's not too many um, sumo seminars, workshops, whatever you want to call it, uh, camps um, available. So, uh, and especially not available on the East Coast. So, um, if you're out here on the East Coast, um, or, or even if you're not, um, there, you know, this is a great opportunity to uh, learn from some of the best guys um, in the states and. Um, you know, kind of get your feet wet, so to speak. Yeah, for sure. Um, I want to thank you very much. Uh, we're out of time. Um, definitely love to uh, have you back on here um, another time and, and talk a little bit more about sumo. Um, really appreciate you taking the time out of your day. This has been John the Viking Mauser with Darius Campbell. Uh, get strong or die. episode is brought to you by Mauser Strength Dynamics one-on-one online coaching. So if you're looking for a satisfaction guarantee and you want to win competitions, or maybe you're constantly suffering from injuries and you don't know where to turn, or maybe you're just looking for some one-on-one support from a world-class strength coach, then Mauser Strength Dynamics is the coaching for you. So if you want more information, then find John at John the Viking Mauser on Facebook or at Mauser Strength on Instagram.